SEC! The crew discuss one way to use car ladder that you might not be familiar with. Then later, the crew answer five questions from the YouTube comment section. Coming up now on SCC. Welcome to episode 15 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm Chris. I'm here with Christina, Christina's PC, Nick, Stiff Arm Wax, and Josh, Cardboard Chronicles. First up, I want to talk about one way to use Card Ladder that you might not be familiar with. But first, let me open this segment with a question to Christina. Christina? Yes. Users of Card Ladder often have the privilege of getting to chat with you when they reach out to us. So as someone who talks with a lot of Card Ladder users, do you get the impression that they are making full use of all the features that Card Ladder offers? No, definitely not. Definitely not? <laughs> definitely what not. What does that mean? People zoom in on one th- particular aspect or uh, feature that they like on Card Ladder and they like really focus on that feature. And then they'll ask me about something, and I'll be like, dude, we have that. Go here. And then I send them screenshots, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. So. Good. Okay. Uh, Josh is someone who responds to a lot of the feedback and suggestions from Card Ladder users. Let me pose the same question to you. Are Card Ladder users making full use of the site and app? Definitely not. I texted <laughs> you before the show, and I was like, I'm pretty sure people only know of like half the features we have just because we release almost too many. There's just like so much power. And like uh, Brett from Stacking Slabs posted a story the other day. He's like, whoa, you can set up price alerts on watch lists. I was like, dude, we've had that for like six months. <laughs> He's like, no way. Right. All right. Good. Thank you. That's a good setup <laughs> for what follows here. All right. So I want to talk about player indices on card ladder or player ladders. All right, so we've been rolling out a lot of new features lately, like Josh said. I was showing off one of these new features on my Instagram story this week, and I got a lot of messages from Card Ladder users asking how they could access this feature, so I figured why not share it with everyone on an episode of SCC. So the post that I made showed that the 440, at that time we now have 442, the 440 Luca cards that are currently tracked by Card Ladder have a combined market cap of $161 million dollars, and the PSA 10 grade of the 1986 Fleer 57 Jordan by itself, just the PSA 10, has a market cap of $155 million. So roughly equivalent. And this information was pretty interesting to people, and a lot of them asked how they could find it themselves. But before I tell you how to find it, let me pause here for a second, and let's just talk about market cap. Josh, what is market cap? What's the market cap for a specific card? And why does it matter? Well, in simple math terms, market cap is just the current value of a card multiplied by how many of that card exist. And this is very easy to calculate for a graded card because we know exactly how many of a given grade of a card there are based on the population reports. So take the Jordan Fleer. Current value is... 450,000, something like that, multiplied by the 312 copies in PSA 10 form, according to the population reports. That's how you get the number. Uh, Market cap is extremely important because it tells you the full story of the card's value. If you look at just the current value, you may be swayed in misunderstanding what's happening because you're not sure how many of something there are, but market cap just sort of like evens everything out and shows you exactly just how popular and valuable a given card is. Indeed. Excellent. Okay, Christina. Yes. So we collect Michael Jordan and Luca, yes. the two players who are the subjects of my post. 
What do you make of this fact that if you add up all 440 Luka cards in Card Ladder, their value is roughly the same as the 300 or so PSA 10 copies of the Fleer 57 Jordan? Well, I mean, Luka's still young, but obviously his cards are undervalued. (laughs) Okay, right. That's one way to take it. (laughs) Some people take it in the complete other direction as well. It was was like a Rorschach (laughs) test when I posted it. You know, some people thought it meant one thing. Some people thought it meant the complete opposite. So, Josh, same question to you. Is this just a piece of cool trivia or is there something more that we can learn from it? No, it's definitely more than trivia. It's fascinating because I, I just, I almost, I didn't believe you when I you posted that. I went to my, I went to the app and opened up and I just searched Luca and then sorted by market cap and it started to like, in my head, add them all up. I'm like 160 and then I started adding them up and I was like, oh my, yeah, you, you basically get to that obviously. And it's crazy because I think people just assume that like Luca has so many rookie cards and so many cards in general that like the market cap of his overall market is super high just because of how much volume there is. But when you put it out in terms like that, where it's, it doesn't even match one grade of Michael Jordan. And the PSA 9 of Michael Jordan's market cap, I, I'm, I believe, is higher than the PSA 10 because there's so many copies of it. So when you put it like that, it's I wouldn't say Luca's undervalued just based on that statement, but I think the thing that I take from it is that people like to make blanket statements and just sort of assume based on print runs of modern cards or you know, they, they want to think that like the Jordan Fleer PSA 10 is rare maybe. And when you really break it down and look at the numbers, it gives you more facts and it makes you really understand what we're looking at. Yeah, definitely. And I will add that a year ago, the market cap for the Fleer PSA 10 Jordan was $15 because the card was literally worth one-tenth of what it's worth right now. So there's been a, a big change, correction some might say, some might disagree with the market cap for that card for a lot of cards that are in that category as well like the 96 chrome kobe psa 10 the 03 chrome lebron psa 10 all those cards have exploded over the last year really over the last three months so that's why it's fun to keep an eye on stuff like this uh see how the market is adjusting all right now let's talk about how to find this information so there's two pieces of data here, the market cap for the MJ card and then the total market cap for Luca, and they're located in different places. So I think most users are aware of how to find the market cap for the grade of any specific card. Where is it located, Christina? If I wanted to find the market cap for the Fleer MJ PSA 10, where would I find it? The card profile. Good. Thank you. Now, the other piece of data that I showed was the market cap for all 440 Luca cards currently in Card Ladder's database. Now, this feature is easy to find as well, but it's brand new. So maybe that's why so many people didn't know that it exists. Along the left-hand menu of the Card Ladder website and app, there's an option called Players. You just click it, you'll be brought to a list of every player. Every player in Card Ladder's database, and then you can sort this list in a number of ways. I like to sort it by 24-hour volume which is how much money was spent on that player's cards over the last 24 hours. Now, once you're on this list, you can click on any player's name, and it will take you to a ladder for that specific player. You'll get a sortable list of all of their cards. You'll see a market snapshot for them that gives you lots of cool statistics, including the total market cap for all that player's cards, which is where that Lucas stat came from. Okay, so Josh, I've touched on a few of the aspects of the player's feature on Card Ladder. There's a ton of useful information in there. So, for example, I was just looking at Tom Brady's page before this episode, and I can see that on March 24th, 
$17,000 was spent on all of Brady's cards and card ladder. Whereas on February 6th, a little over a month earlier, month and a half earlier, but which was also the day before the Super Bowl, $425,000 was spent on Tom Brady cards. And here's a tip. If you set the graph to a logarithmic scale, it's much easier to look at. So this gives insight into how both supply and demand can ebb and flow for a player across time. Now, Josh, is there anything else that at this time you'd like to highlight or you feel we should highlight about these player ladders on card ladder? Yeah, you're, you're pointing out sort of like the volume and the totals of players. The other thing I like to look at for a player is how do I compare across player relative by percentage? So if I want to say, how is LeBron or Luka or Jordan uh, comparing to each other on a daily, monthly, weekly, quarterly scale as their values change. So, like, what 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 players are hot and not not just on sales volume, but like the the current value percentage change. And we do that through their index card. So every player in our database, we've selected an index card, and it's it's pretty much what you would expect. You know, LeBron, it's the 2003 Topps Chrome PSA 10, Jordan Fleer PSA 9, I believe, Luca Prism Base PSA 10. So we take that card. We track its performance over a single day, a month, and a quarter, and we we sort those in a list, and you can look at what players have moved the most in the last day, the last month, the last quarter, uh, and it's based off that one index card. So we're not trying to aggregate every card and figure out their daily movements because you, know, you need one card to kind of tell the story of all of that in terms of re- in relations. So... That explains that. And if you ever want to know if a card is a is a index card or you know the, the key card chosen for a player, there's a little white star on the card profile for that. So if you search the 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron PSA 10, you'll see a star on the card profile. And had you looked at this list a month ago and sorted it by like weekly percentage change, you would have seen Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, etc. Right now I'm looking at it, and here's the top on weekly percentage change. Jaleel Okafor, Omari Spellman, Chris Mullen, Ryan Finley, Jim Brown, Aaron Holiday, Deion Sanders, Lori Markinen, Dominic Hasek, Gavin Lux. Okay, very not the people you'd think, but so maybe there's something to that as well, that people are are looking in more obscure areas right now as, you know, the, the GOAT cards have lost a little bit of their momentum, their momentum. lately. What do you think about what that, think Josh? About that? Yeah, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, but people just like to make assumptions and guess at what's hot based on just what they're seeing on the internet or what they're hearing. But if you actually dig into the data, it, it usually tells a different story. I mean, you're pointing out that like people will probably just tell you like LeBron, Jordan, Kobe are the hottest cards every day, all day. But that's not true right now. Those cards are down, and that's mostly because of just how fast they've risen in the last few months. So if you sort by 24-hour volume, you can also see the the weekly percentage changes like you're like you're referencing and you can see those are all like massively red because uh those cards have just started to dip down in the last few weeks but they still sell at a high volume so that's why it's important to note the sales volume against the actual percentage change true and had we looked at this list a month ago it was all green every card every player was green and now there's red there's definitely a fair share of red right now buying opportunity i don't know you decide. All right. Coming up next on Sports Cards Culture, Nick poses five questions from the audience. Imagine. 
everything you love about the hobby in the palm of your hand. An entire store at your fingertips. Everything you need to know about cards is within your grasp. Unlock the secrets of the hobby. Plus, so much more. You don't have to imagine anymore. It's here. Card Ladder. Get the app today. Watching SCC Sports Cards Culture. Keep up with the crew and follow them on all the socials. Plus, join Josh and Chris and sometimes special guest Christina every Friday night on Instagram Live. The crossover. All right, Nick. You came to me before the show and you said, "Hey, if there's an opening on a forthcoming episode, I've got five questions from audience members um, that that have been left in comment sections and stuff." That might be fun to answer. So, go ahead, Nick. What are these five questions? So, number one, from Blessum Breaks, says, how do we submit questions to the crossover? Okay, well, first of all, Christina, what is the crossover? The crossover is a show that Chris and Josh host on Friday nights on Instagram Live. With special (laughs) guest Christina sometimes, right? Yeah, a peanut gallery in the back (laughs) while she works and the boys play. (laughs) But you can can find them at at Chris underscore H-O-J and at Cardboard underscore Chronicles on Instagram and uh, make sure you're following them because it'll tell you in a circle up at the top of your homepage that they've gone live. Good. And uh, you can submit questions by commenting on the post that gets made, uh, announcing that the episode's coming, uh, DMing me, uh, Chris underscore HOJ, or replying to my Instagram story post asking for questions. Josh, anything you want to add to this? It's usually a, a late night show. So we, we usually don't start till 11 or 12 uh, Eastern time. And then we usually go for two or three hours every Friday. So it's a lot of fun. Just hop in and prepare to be entertained. Yeah. And you can catch the replays on the YouTube channel, but there's nothing quite like being in it live. Right. Lots of good commenters in there. <laughs> Some people you we might not We respond to almost everyone. Like it's very engaging. So if you jump in and have something funny to say, well, we usually react. Yes. It, but it has to be good. There's a lot of, you know, there's, it's always a mixed bag with the comments. All right. Question number two from Geebs Seatown. My question is, when will Robert Big Shot Hori get his respect in the hobby? Oh, let me kick this one to Josh. This is a question <laughs> right up Josh's alley. When's Robert Hori going to get his due? Robert Ori, first of all. That's, I mean, that kind of tells you right there. If he's going to get the respect, we can't even say his name right. <laughs> no, I mean... The reality is, like, role players very rarely get any hobby love, and uh, it has nothing to do with how many championships you have, which is kind of like the joke of this question, is because Ori, I think he has, like, seven championships, more than Jordan. Um, and, you know, maybe he's definitely a good role player. He's, he's a very important role player. He's also played for some of the best teams, you know, of the last 30 years. So 
I don't know if he'll ever get the love that we're that we're talking about here. I, I I'm looking to make sure before I say it, but I'm pretty sure he was on the Houston Rockets when they won at least one of their championships. Yes. Oh, both. I think. Yeah. And so I remember Big Shot Bob um, from those years. And I have no idea who you're talking about, by the way. <laughs> well, see, no idea. So that's that might be part of the issue. But uh, let me tell you, if Jaleel Okafor cards are going up three X in the last week, maybe uh, Robert will be getting he his also, due. He hip checked Steve Nash in the playoffs and potentially cost my sons a championship. So I'm not too fond of that guy. Oh, fair. Fair point. All right, Nick, what's the third question? Question number three from EMC7 underscore. He says, great channel. You guys have a subscriber in me. How can I identify a grail in modern cards? Wow. I think Josh should take this one as well. What do you think? How do you identify a modern card grail? Well, a grail is really about for yourself, your own personal tastes. Like what, what is something that you aspire to obtain? I think that's kind of like in the definition of grails. It's like, what, what do you picture yourself walking up to and, you know, holding and and picking up is like your number one card. You really have to figure that out for yourself. I usually tell people to start with like, who's your favorite player? And then maybe look at, start researching, go to card ladder, search the player, sort by market cap, sort by highest value and start figuring out like, what are some of these cards of those in that player that, are expensive or hard to obtain or rare look at market cap look at population reports all these things sort of like add up and try to figure out which one you think looks the best that's another way to start looking at it that's true and then i'll chime in something that josh taught me as well that i think is helpful uh for any sport you know there are certain marquee brands and then within those brands there's kind of the top card for modern national treasures rpa that's going to be a key one prism gold is going to be a key one if we're talking football, contenders cracked ice is going to be a key one. All right. Let me just jump in here, though, because some people collect players that don't appear in Prism and that NT, National Treasure. So what you have to do, I think, is you have to look, as Josh and Chris said, at the player that you like to follow. Look at their cards and their print runs, and I think that's key as well. Like, you want a card, when you're picking a grail, you don't want it to be a base card or just a silver, unless that silver is very rare. You want it something to be slightly unattainable, because otherwise, once you get it, you're kind of like on a letdown. Like, okay, well, I got my grail, now what? So, you want to look at the print runs, and as someone who collects a... (laughs) rando uh star of my basketball team i will say that my favorite rookie card of his is an opulence gold out of 10 and he doesn't have a prism card he doesn't have an nt he's not in a lot of product oh let the cat out of the bag who is it you know you want to say okay all right yeah good all right thank you christina all right nick what's the next question Okay, this kind of pertains to it. It's from uh, Cardboard Max. He says, the show is incredible. My maturation in the hobby has led me to believe pop reports matter. Am I right or wrong? Ah, well, you know, about this time, no, a little, about halfway through 2020, there was a movement that started in the hobby that literally was a saying people were using that said pop reports don't matter. Okay, and this was like, at a time when soccer cards were becoming huge. A lot of those cards had not been graded yet. 
the pop reports were low, it would have been, in my humble opinion, very instructive to look at the pop reports for those cards at that time and start thinking about how they could change. But alas, the pop reports don't matter movement uh, carried the day for a little while. But now I think most people do feel that pop reports matter. Uh, Josh, what do you think, man? Do pop reports matter? And if they do, why? Yeah, of course they matter. They definitely matter. I can picture the person saying that in 2020, and it pretty much goes like this. Buy a card, probably at that time, Soccer Prism, and you feel real excited. You probably paid 2 3x what it was the week prior because that's how it goes. You're super excited. You look up the value, and you're like, oh, this has so much more room to grow. This is going to go higher. I'm going to sell it and flip it for more. Someone you know, alerts you to the fact that the population is super high, and then you realize, oh, crap, this is going to be an issue with supply and demand, and then you just try to say to yourself, no, population doesn't matter. This thing will keep going up. And that was just sort of like this momentous thing that was building up at that time. And it's, of course, untrue. Uh, It's just a simple indicator of supply and demand. If there's a lot of something and the demand can't meet it, the price is going to go down. I will say, though, that uh, demand fluctuates. So, like, you can have a pop of a card that's like, 15,000 and you think that's a lot of freaking cards man but you also have to think if there's 30,000 people who want that card then pop doesn't matter well it just matters in a little bit of different way um you also want to think about there pop is one thing that matters a lot but there's a lot of stuff that matters around it too and we don't have time to talk about all of it here, but like one of the things that matters, okay, you have pop, then you have, well, how many are available at a given time? So that's a question that matters as well. So like, you know, there are some rare cards from the 90s that have, you know, that are serial numbered to 500 in the example of the high voltage uh, 500 parallel, but you will never see more than a few of those come to market in a, in a given year. So um, pop report can help with that because the, the graded pops on those cards are much smaller. Uh, some of the other stuff you want to think about when you when you think about pop reports too is will this pop report change? So if a card has a low pop but nobody even cared about the card three months ago and it's a base card from you know a, a, a set that was pretty widely distributed, uh, that pop can change. Well yeah, especially if you go to Card Ladder and you search for the raw version or you go to eBay and you look at the how many raw are out like on eBay right now, you have to think like if the PSA 10 and 9 are skyrocketing, those raw are going to be graded. So you have to think like okay, this is the current pop, but it could be 2x by the time PSA uh, comes back to where their turnaround times aren't so high. True. Josh, anything else to add on pop reports? I remember the 2012 Prism Base LeBron was a good example of what you just said, where the Raws were selling for like five bucks forever. Like nobody cared. They're in boxes. And then the PSA 10s just shot up and started going for like a thousand, over a thousand dollars. And it's like, oh, people are starting grading the heck out of that Raw. And then the pop just went insane. Prices started to stabilize on it. It's come down since. There you go. Great example there. All right. Final question. Right. Number five. Samuel M. says, I have a question for you guys. If you have 2,000 raw Michael Jordan cards and you've been collecting since you were a kid, would you sell it? That is my grail of cards and I've had them for 25 years. 
Wow. Yeah, I guess I'm a little biased on Michael Jordan cards because I, I wouldn't be so quick to sell those. I, I love those. But so let me give it to Josh. Josh, what do you what do you think uh, about this this question? Uh, I would spend a lot of time getting to know all of those cards and re, you know, re looking through the prices of where they at today, because it sounds like you're maybe coming across this and it, may, it might be a little bit fresh trying to remind yourself of what that stuff is worth. Familiarize yourself with how what each of that what each of those cards is worth. How often they trade, what the different grades are, how tough it is to get those grades. Look at the population reports, and really, you're going to, have to spend a lot of time. Uh, and then, you know, if the price is, you know, over a certain threshold, let's say like $500 for the raws, you, you want to start grading that stuff. PSA, BGS. Um, that's the tough part because the prices on the grading has gone up so much that it's hard to determine what level you want to do it at and how quickly you want to get it back. But if those are expensive cards, you want to, you know grade them at the proper level for each of those and get them back in a reasonable amount of time. And then from there, you know, I'm a fan of consolidation. I've talked about that a ton. If you're if spending all this time researching all these car cards, you're probably going to come across other ones that you wish you would have had back then or that you've come across now that you didn't know existed. And you maybe want to sell a few of those 2000 to kind of consolidate up into something more rare. That's, that's kind of where I'd go. Yeah, that thought yeah, occurred that to thought me as well as I was like, well, 2000, you know, you, you could turn that into probably five very, very nice ones if you wanted to. You've already enjoyed the others for decades now, so consolidation is fun. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for the questions. Uh, thank you especially to the two question askers who buttered us up in the first part of their question. <laughs> And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to subscribe. See you next time at SCC. Sports, cards, culture.